I start, <laughs> I, I must say my face looks funny because I had. Um, <laughs> I'm not trying to rock the Aaliyah look, but I'm trying to hide my swollen face because I had some uh, dental surgery. Some kind of swollen, kind of like Rocky, and I like Rocky anyway. So this is a shout out to Rocky, right? Adrian! So um, today, Pastor Rich asked me to preach, and of course, the first thing that comes to mind is, why me? Because you do such a great job. So this year, I committed to whenever my husband said, Cher, I need you to preach. I will not say no as much as I want to, but I will do it. Oh my goodness, I can't believe I just said that aloud. <laughs> oh my gosh. But you know, sometimes we say stuff that we really don't mean. So, <laughs> so today I'm just gonna share with you a little Mother's Day message. And I'm old school, so I have my papers here. And so when Pastor Rich asked me to preach this message, I was trying to figure out what can I talk about? So obviously it's Mother's Day. So at first I said, you know what? The famous message is Proverbs 31, right? And I said, it's not, you guys are so quiet. You're making me nervous. So I said, okay, Proverbs 31, yeah, I could do that, but to tell the truth, I have a, uh, how should I put this? A funny relationship with Proverbs 31. Because you know, when it's preached to you, you're like, yes, I love it. But then when you're down, it's just like, I just don't wanna hear that right now. And I think that women have a lot of pressure on them already. When you're on social media, this is the kind of mom you should be. This is how you should look. You're not adding up to it. And I just felt like, mm, I really don't want to do Proverbs 31. But I don't want to hit it because Proverbs 31 is a wonderful, wonderful uh, uh, script. Thank you. Who was that? Thank you. Scripture, right? Because it's a model of an excellent woman. And it's something that I think I'm actually going to preach in women's ministry. But I didn't really want to do that uh, today because that's more about uh, this king. Uh, he was just telling us what his mother thought about an excellent woman and what you should look out for an excellent woman and a wife. And like the preacher says, when you read that passage, it just paints such a beautiful picture. It's like letting the woman grab heaven putting it here on earth and sharing it with all these people that are under her influence. So it's a great passage, but it's not something I wanted to preach today. So I start thinking, okay, so what can I preach about? Ah, oh, Mother's Day. So I said, let me talk about the origins of Mother's Day, right? Then I say, well, a lot of us is on social media so I'm sure that you're probably getting all the stories about Anna Jarvis, right? The yeah. woman who created it. Yeah. So, so I guess you guys had it, so I don't have to tell you. But for those who are not on social media, so Anna Jarvis was a woman 
who is married to a pastor, and she gave birth to 11 kids, and only four of them made it to adulthood. Now, what she did was she used to preach to her, the Sunday school department and all that good stuff, and one day her 12-year-old child, Anna Jarvis, that's the famous one that uh, brought about Mother's Day, she heard her mother preaching a message about mothers in the Bible. And at the end of the Sunday school message, she said, I wish someone would dedicate a day to mothers because they do so much for humanity. And that left an impression in Anna's uh, heart. So when her mother died, she said, for all the good things my mom did, I want to give that to her, and I want there to be a day that can celebrate mothers. Now, her mother was no ordinary mother because what she did was, this is a woman who came up in a time where you can give birth to 11 kids and four of them make it to childhood. That is a tough time. What she did was she gathered women around and she let women help women. So the women would come and inspect the milk and inspect the water and help with hygiene. And then it would connect with doctors and help those mothers that need help. So now the daughter, seeing how well her mother did, said, I need to do that. People should recognize mothers. So she did that. She got together with the um, flower industry. And Anna, with no time, the president was behind her. And then Mother's Day became a national holiday. That is something to celebrate, right? Yeah. Well, let me tell you, Anna spent the rest of her life fighting to stop Mother's Day because she felt the flower industry, the card industry took advantage of what she was trying to do. They capitalized on it. She hated that. She spent her entire inheritance to get rid of Mother's Day. So I said, you know, I could talk about that. I can talk about you having such a passion for something and you're on fire and you're seeing it come to pass and then someone just takes your idea and spins it and it's not what you had in mind and you can live your entire life fighting against something that you've lost the purpose of. She died in a mad house, poor. So I said, yeah, I can talk about that because some of us can relate to that, right? But then I said, no, I'm not really feeling it. So I said, okay, let me see. What can I talk about? Because hmm, with Pastor Rich, he is so good and he thinks I'm, I swell his head up. <laughs> But he is so good that is so much pressure, not competition, because he is my example. And I'm not ashamed to say that. You're a wonderful model. So I said, what can I talk about? So I start, I actually, I was reading um, this woman preacher, and she talked about, um, what was it? She's putting her kids to bed, right? And she's like, a lot of women, when they put their kids to bed, that is the perfect time for you to have conversations with your kids. That's when they're relaxing, and they're going to tell you all they did with the teacher and their friends and all of that. That is the perfect time for you to spend time with your kids. And I said, what? 
Bedtime for me is like, please, close your eyes. I have stuff to do. So I start thinking about, you know, mothers, we have this Jekyll and Hyde personality. I've never read the book. I want to read the book, but I get the idea, right? We can be super nice, and in a minute, we can flip. So I said, I don't want to beat you up today. We know our faults, right? So we can move on. So I said, no, I'm not going to do Jekyll and Hyde. I'm going to leave that for another time, right? So then... I came across this scripture that I'm going to share with you, and it's Psalms 127.3. Will I see it here? Okay. So, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. So I saw that scripture, and I said, hmm, kind of like that what can I preach on about that because a lot of us look at our kids sometimes as burdens sometimes as distractions some of us look at them as accomplishment look I have so many kids they look good they do this that and I start reading into this so much so the first thing I started to do is look for the definition and we all know what a gift is, right? But you know, sometimes when you look into the definition, it just opens up your mind a little bit, right? So the definition of gift is a thing giving willingly to someone without payment. So that child that you have was given to you from God, not as payment, but it's a gift. When I look at reward, it's a thing given in recognition of someone's service, their effort or achievement. But let me be very clear. That reward is not out of debt. There's nothing that you owe God. What the reward that you get is truly and purely grace for those of you who have kids, right? Well. I started thinking about the gifts that I actually get on Mother's Day, and I thought about what? What was the last gift that I really, really loved that I received? I received a good gift this morning, but I'm not gonna share that with you. But, <laughs> but I thought about this gift. I believe I got it for um, my birthday. So my family, bought me some earbuds, right? So I love to listen. What is my husband saying, whispering in front of here? <laughs> I, I got some earbuds, right? So I go around the house, I'm always listening to my Bible um, with the wired um, headphones, and I'm always getting knotted up in the kitchen and everywhere I'm going. So when they bought me the, the um, what is it called? Why? that wireless it was perfect right so I got this gift and I started thinking about well you know there's two things about gifts first of all when you get a gift you're supposed to be responsible for it correct so you're supposed to take care of it you're supposed to make sure that it's charged if you have the earbuds you're not supposed to make sure and this is a true story the first week I got those earbuds it fell into the sink while I was washing dishes 
I prayed over it, and it's worked ever since. <laughs> and I don't know why I said it now, because I said I will not let my husband know that that happened. All I heard was, <laughs> Lord, please, in Jesus' name. And it worked. But when you get a gift, you're supposed to be responsible for it, right? And then there's something uh, extra. You get benefits from those gifts, right? The benefits I get, I always tell the ladies when we have um, conversation, I say, I used to go year after year saying, I want to read my books. I have a hundred books and I can't read it. And when I got that gift, I'm reading literally, well, listening to literally seven books a month to the point where I'm saying, I need to stop and just let my ears breathe. But there's benefits to that. I can go into Walmart and when I'm tight because they're taking too long at the register, I just pop some worship music in my ears and I'm just ready for my day. There are benefits, there are rewards. And I want you to know that that same gift that God has given you, you have a responsibility to it. Yes, you're supposed to take care of it, shelter it, train it up in the way that it should go so it doesn't depart. All that good stuff. But there's also a reward. There's also a benefit. So today, I simply want to share with you, I have four beautiful kids. I love all my kids. I love them all the same. And I want you to enjoy with me as I tell you about the lessons I have learned from my kids. The rewards that we sometimes miss that God has given us, we miss because we don't take the time out to see what has the Lord been showing me in this season. So I have a picture of my kids, one of my favorite, favorite uh, pictures. I don't know if they like it or not, but. <laughs> so I have four kids, seven, Savannah, I have to look because sometimes I forget my kids' names, right? <laughs> Shy and Silas. And I believe we were Mount Rushmore or something? South Dakota, yeah. South Dakota, yeah. This is one of my favorite um, pictures. So I'm just going to tell you a few things about my kids, and I'll share with you today, and some of the lessons that I learned. Amen? Amen. Amen. So the first one is my firstborn, Seven Ishmael. Isn't he handsome? Where is he? Isn't he lovely? <laughs> there he is. The coolest cat ever, right? So, um, this is the firstborn, my firstborn. And um, some of you may know that when I hooked up with Pastor Ridge, because he couldn't resist me. <laughs> We were a little bit too fresh for our young selves, and we end up getting in trouble. So what happened was, I met my husband in this church, and he was a drummer, and he promised that he would teach me the drums, but he never did. Same here. He just got me, and then forget everything about what he promised. So. <laughs> so I met him here, and um, it was a wonderful experience. 
And what happened is when you start hanging out, I tell the youth a lot, you start not building those boundaries that you should between a, a man and a woman, then you get yourself in trouble. And what happened was I became pregnant. So we are coming to church and Pastor Elizabeth is the pastor here. So can you imagine? Her son, this little girl come in the church. Her son is just playing the drums all nice. She come in here and just disrupt everything. I was just loving Jesus. I, right. So when I became pregnant, the obvious choice for us is because no one is looking around thinking, you're having sex, right? Because you're in church. But I live long enough to know that some of you are doing stuff that you aren't supposed to be doing, right? And what happens is when you play with fire, you get burned. And we got burned, and then we decide that we were just going to hide this baby. Well, how can you hide a baby? Well, I know perfectly fine how to. Everyone knows where Planned Parenthood is. As a high schooler, I went with friends who got rid of babies. I don't know when they tell you it is planned parenting because there was, when I made the appointment to get rid of my baby, it was literally a call and they gave me an appointment and I was scheduled. My parents didn't know anything and we planned to do that. So we decided this is what we were gonna do. The morning of the, um, the appointment, I remember sitting on my bed and I was crying my eyes out because I was so ashamed that everyone would know this is what I was doing and I was living a Christian life. But why I was bawling was because I couldn't go and get rid of this baby. I was sitting there like, God, I can't do it. I cannot do it. Can you please help me? I don't care if Rich will be mad because at that time I didn't even speak to him about it because the plan was this is what we were going to do. But I know that I could not have done it. It did not sit right in my, in my heart. I cried, I cried, and I said I'm not going to do it. Father, forgive me. I don't care who knows. I don't care who don't like me, but I cannot kill this child. You know what? That one moment has taught me. Changed my entire life. Is that God makes a way when there seems to be no way. Because in a young girl's mind, the pressure of the shame that you walk in and everyone knows you've been sleeping around, your belly is growing, this is the pastor's son, the pastor is living up here and doing what she needs to do, the shame that you're bringing on the entire family to a young couple, that was torture. But when you trust, even when you do wrong, and you come to God and you repent, he will make a way What you think that you can't handle, he will carry it for you. And that was the best decision I've ever made in my life. 
And I've been around a lot of people who have taken the steps of having an abortion. This is not to condemn you because the same God who saved me will save you. The same God that I serve that said you did wrong, but I am going to forgive you, will forgive you also. But there is a lesson in that situation. And my lesson, one of the lessons I've learned that I said before with seven is God can make a way out of no way. And now I have a 21 or 22? <laughs> 22. I told you, I forget my kid's age. Forget it. When I call the doctor's office and they're like, birthday. I'm like, I have four kids. Which one? Just, you know, does it matter really? So 21 years old. <laughs> Let's leave out the age, okay? 22. Beautiful. He is so helpful, so cool, so talented. A drummer. Have you ever seen this boy act? Nobody like Will Smith anymore. That's because they made way for seven. Right, Steve? You can't even mention Will Smith anymore. Nobody want to hear. <laughs> Poor Will. <laughs> talented and sometimes I look at his pitch and I say thank you God for that decision that you saved me from that's one of the lessons I learned from my son's life then it comes Miss Savannah Ishmael looking all cool <laughs> this baby the second born when she was, this child was so chubby when she was, she was so beautiful. I mean, I held her in my arm like, oh my gosh, she was so sweet. She was so sweet. She had so much rolls. It was so adorable. You would not believe. It's like the Pillsbury Doughboy. Remember it, Stace? So cute. Oh my gosh. Savannah, number two. The princess. Now, when I had uh, Savannah, my husband at that point, he was traveling a lot. He was doing a lot of traveling. So I'm here. I have seven. He's going to school. Miss Getty, shout out to Miss Getty. <laughs> and here I am working at the library, which I love the library. And I'm just thinking, I really don't want to have two kids. And I'm fighting with the people who are taking care of Sev because the kid is like kicking him, remember? Tossing him down the stairs one time. Because you know, when you get a hookup for a babysitter, you don't know who she takes on the extra days, right? So that was just very, very stressful for me. So me and my husband start talking. He was being called all over the place. Plus he was also a teacher. So we have a uh, library salary and we have a teacher's salary. Well, correction, a Christian teacher's salary. There is a difference, okay? Yes. Yes. So we are in a house 
And I don't want my kids to be all over the place. You know, as parents, we worry. We worry who's going to be around. You don't want anyone to yell at your kids. You don't want anyone to touch your kids inappropriately. All these stuff. So I'm talking and I'm thinking, I want to be a stay-at-home mom. I want, I want to feel safe, safer that way. So what happened is we have a mortgage, right? Because we're in this house. We're in our 20s and we have this house. And... Pastor Rich decides that he is going, his, his boss, have a conversation with him and tells him, yeah, I see your ministry is growing, so you can leave. So here we are now. I want to stay home. He doesn't have the Christian salary anymore. He's a Christian rapper. Which salary do you think is worse? But we trusted God to know that his ministry must go forth. And with that, I was able to stay home on a Christian rapper's salary. In a house in Cambria Heights, Queens. <laughs> but you know what that taught me about God? Is that he is a provider. And what is beautiful about that is I make fun of saying a Christian rapper's salary. But my husband worked very, very hard. And he always says, forget about what everyone else have. But what do you have in your hands? And what you have in your hands, God will multiply. And that's what God did for us. So in every situation, if you trust him and you're walking according to his will, he will provide. And that's what I learned. One of the lessons I've learned with Savannah. Number three, Mr. Shy Boy. <laughs> this is Shy Boy. So uh, number three, love me some shy. Shy keeps you on your toes. Well, when Shai was born, some of you may know, but he was born with a um, condition that is called Symbrachydactyly plus Poland syndrome. So what happens is a few of his fingers were fused together. And then with Poland, you can go research that if you really want to know. <laughs> but Poland syndrome has something to do with the muscles on a certain side. So when he was born, we had no idea. We did the sonograms. We did everything else, but no one knew. Only inside of the, um, the operating room, right? Because I believe I had a C-section. I can't even remember. At four. Like, just, just give me the epidural. Give me whatever. Let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah, I was, I, was, I was knocked out. So we didn't know until Shai was born. So that was very traumatic uh, for us. Because somehow you think that if you know before, you can be prepared. But it wasn't about, oh my gosh, this baby. It became, what did I do? What did I do to my baby? I know I don't drink. Rich don't drink. We don't smoke. We don't do drugs. What did I do that would cause this to happen? I was literally, I was so mad at everything. Because, um, you know, when you look at toys... I don't know. You try to buy toys for your kids, and then you just open the label, and then it's like, 
a prop, prop, California prop 25, 65, whatever it is. You know what I think? Proposition 65? Cancer. You buy a plug, it's cancer. You buy a mic, there's something connected to it. And in my mind, I'm saying, why did I buy these things? Now I'm, it could have been me doing something because it says birth defects too. So it was such a traumatic time because I'm saying, what did I do to my baby? But I want to tell you something. From the moment Shy came out, me, my husband, the family gathered around. We prayed about it. And you know one of the most important lessons I learned from Shai's experience is that God makes no mistakes. It might look like there's something wrong. It might look like this doesn't measure up. But he makes no mistakes. There's nothing that stopped this little boy from doing anything. He types faster than me. He plays the drums that my husband did not teach me. <laughs> Nothing stops him because my God had a plan. God said that before you were even formed, he was the one that knitted you together. For some reason, we think we are in control of everything, but it's not. He is in control and he makes no mistakes. And that's what I learned from Shai's little life. Amen. And finally, Mr. Silas. And I'm, I'm closing up very soon. I got to find number two. Number three. Silas. Silas was my surprise baby. Savannah was the only child that I wasn't nauseous with. I did not even know I was pregnant. That was such wonderful news. <laughs> but Silas, my goodness. I'll tell you, at that point when we found out, well, let me go a little bit before. I was going to do my master's finally. And I said, okay, I know where I'm going. Applied, got through, we're going. And I am on the train. And then I'm feeling very nauseous. This don't make no sense. What did I eat? Train. <laughs> <laughs> the trains now. But I had to come off the train because I was so nauseous. So I came off and then I went. I went to the first class. I was so excited because I was doing my master's in Bible school. You know, when you have three kids, you just feel like, oh, when is it going to be my turn to not have kids conversations? Anybody's here with me or it's just me alone? I want to have a conversation with an adult. And I don't have to say, give me a minute, let me finish, right? So I'm there, I'm enjoying the class, I'm feeling kind of funny. Next day, I come. I couldn't even go to class. I had to come home very, very nauseous. Found out that I was pregnant and that was another tough time for me because you have a plan. I have a plan to go to school. I have three kids. This wasn't a plan to have a fourth. Even though I've always said I wanted five, I never really meant I want five. <laughs> it sounds good, but I couldn't believe that my plans is just gone. Not only that, I don't know about you, but I love food. 
If I don't eat, I'm grumpy. And I didn't eat for like nine months. I was in my bed. I was nauseous up to eight months. Eating rice, who wants to be pregnant when you can eat as much as you want and no judgment? And eat rice like this, plain fried rice. You just know that this is like deep in my soul that I'm still talking about it. But this is what happened at that point. I was so, I think that was one of the lowest points for me because I was in church and when I got home, my husband can, can attest, I was in my bed. I was sleeping for the whole entire pregnancy. Come here, pray in my bed, eat some rice and that was it. So what I did was I had to speak to the, um, the school and they give me all my money back because I had to get a doctor's note saying how sick I was because I truly was. They give me every cent back. Yes. And you know what that taught me? Very importantly, that Jesus is in control because this little boy is such a gem. Oh my gosh, he is so sweet. Rich was telling me, Pastor Rich was telling me the other day that his nose was a little bit runny, and he came and he said, Dad, I prayed about it. I'm good. God's got me. <laughs> Silas can hold a conversation with anyone for a long time. This is a grown man. He is so loving. I mean, he is one of the kids that want to hug you all the time, want to rub your... Mom, let's play this. Let's play that. I have a hundred games, like Connect Four. No, he's the one child that would say, let's play Connect Four. He's just such a joy. That's exactly what I needed in my life that God sent. He is in control. Amen? So I want you today to think about the situations, your kids that are in your life. God is showing you that there are benefits and rewards. Even when you're going through, he's going to pull those things out and let you see them. But I didn't want to just uh, stop at these four kids, but I want to share with you my fifth child. What? <laughs> Do I have a picture? Oh. This is my fifth child, Brownie. And you know you're West Indian when you just call them the color. Like we don't waste no time. We're not gonna figure out. You're not Tyler, you're Brownie, you're brown. So you're gonna be brown. So this is Brownie. He is 14 years old. And I have another picture of Brownie. This is Brownie when, this is Brownie. Doesn't look like the same dog, right? The first one, we're convinced that the first one is Fred. And this is the real brownie because it just doesn't look like the same dog. But everyone who have a dog know that a dog, a pet, is like a child. And even with brownie, I've learned something. There's a few tricks that brownie can do. He can dance. He can jump over the little chairs. When he was younger, he did bang, bang. And then he would, because we went to so many Disney um, places and they would do all these dog tricks and then we would come home and just 
work with Brownie all the time. Like, you're gonna be the celebrity dog. So he would say, bang, bang, Brownie. And he would act like he's dead and then he would roll over. And then like a couple years later, we were like, bang, bang. And Brownie like, bang, bang. Brownie's like, it hurts my back when I have to roll over. You bang, bang, okay? That dog fits in our family because we just don't care after a while. But I've learned from Brownie. And you can learn from this when you have a pet, that those people or those things in your life that don't necessarily have a voice, you can speak up for those things. Because you know when you have a pet, they're not literally talking to you in English but you know they can communicate. When Brownie's out of water, you can hear him banging his pan. Like, get me some water. My kids have forgotten to give him water. You can tell when a dog is not feeling right. Right? There are things, these little things that we can take for granted and say, ah, oh, it's just a dog, what does he know? They bring comfort to your life and they teach you that those things that are, looks like they don't make sense, looks like it's not needed, it's a reward in your life. I can't imagine my life without Mr. Brownie. And he's 14, so he's, he's, he's gonna live till 90, y'all. <laughs> he will. And then, I know I've always wanted five kids, but I do have a sixth child. <laughs> Would you show my sixth child? <laughs> that is my sixth child. I love this picture. I, this is one of my favorite pictures. So this is, you know, a lot of us feel like our husband is our sixth child or whatever child, but he's not my child, right? But he is my partner and I love him dearly. And this same Psalms that I read from, in the beginning it talks about building a house. And the house, whatever house you build should be built on the foundation of Christ. Because if you build it on anything else, it's useless. This is my buddy. From the moment I met him, he was the funniest and still is the funniest man I've ever met. My kids are annoyed when I laugh at everything he says, but they're still not funnier than him. It is a fact. I enjoy his company, I enjoy his advice, and I've learned many things from this man. I've learned how to preach because he gives me pointers. I've learned how to live what you preach because he would be the first one to tell you, Cher, you're wrong, and I'll be the first one to say why, and then we'll go at it. But he is truly, truly a good example. Not my sixth child, but my partner. So that's one of the many lessons I've learned from my husband. So um, I'm just gonna close up a little. my fourth page good so sometimes and this is closing sometimes what happens is 
We see these lessons for some of us. When you see these lessons, you don't learn from them. And you feel like, I'm failing. God has given me these kids. There is a reward here. There's benefits. I can see it. I can see that God is a provider. I can see that he makes no mistakes. But I know that this situation right now is so hard. I don't think God can fix it. I don't think that he's in control. So for some of us, not getting to understand fully these lessons might feel like a failure to you. Maybe. But I want you to know that you're not a failure. You might have failed, but every time you get up and start again, there's another opportunity, another opportunity for you to get better. For some of you, you might think, well, I don't have any kids. So maybe that is the failure. No. God doesn't make any mistakes. There are many mothers that have kids and don't want their kids. There are mothers who choose to adopt where other mothers fell short, they pick up. Pastor Rich mentioned it earlier. There are spiritual mothers in here. There are church mothers who are mothering these kids around here. God doesn't make any mistakes. And then for those who are believing that God is going to give you a child, we believe with you. Because we believe that he is a provider. We believe that he loves you. So some of us might feel share a quick story with you and then I'm going to get out your way. There's a story that I read about. It happened in 1997. There was a lady, she had her 10 day old infant and she is in her house and a fire breaks out, right? So she runs to the room and she's about to pick up the child but she can't find the child. So the fire is going crazy and she runs out. The fire department comes and they're looking and they can't find the child. So they've concluded that the child perished in the fire. Six years later, she was invited to a birthday party. She saw this little girl with a little dimple, true story said to her sister that's my child her sister said why are you bugging maybe she didn't say that but that's what she meant you're crazy that's not your child she said I know my child so what she did was she went to the little girl and she pretended she said hey you have gum in your your hair so she grabbed her hair and she took some she took it she got a DNA test and it was revealed that it was her child. Someone that she knew took her baby and started the fire. She knew her 10-day-old 10, 10 child. I want to let you know that if an earthly mother could recognize her child from just seeing her at 10 days old, 
How much more will God recognize the one he made if you are in a strange place saying, I'm a failure. God is not willing to forgive me. I am not getting these lessons. God doesn't need a DNA test to come and find out if you are his. He knows you. He knows where you are right now, today. And he says, guess what, people? The gift I give to the parents, it is my gift that I give to them. You are mine. You are my responsibility. You are my heritage. So don't you sit here and feel like God has made a mistake. We know that moms feel overwhelmed. They feel not good enough, especially on a day that's supposed to celebrate them. But you are loved. And God is coming right in that house where you're surrounded by failure, surrounded by these people who are pretending to be your family. And he's going to snatch you out and say, come on, baby. Let's go home. Let dad tell you how to live because you are my responsibility. Amen. Amen. Come on, give Jesus a round of applause.